0: Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. It's Father's Day and today we want to honor our fathers. And I have three scriptures I'd like to share, first husbands and then for children, which are father's responsibilities. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, a sacrificial love husbands have for their wives and then down in verse 28 it says so men ought to love their wives as their own bodies he that loveth his wife loveth himself and then also over in ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 it says children obey your parents in the lord and so fathers have a teaching responsibility and a great opportunity to influence the next generation for christ as they live out godly lives before their wife and their children and as they lead their families in a righteous way as they depend upon God for their wisdom and guidance and direction they can bring up their children in the way they should go and God will bless them and bless their families and use them in a mighty way.
1: My stubborn Last have death yielded. I would be
2: thine and thine alone. And this the prayer my lips are bringing, Lord, letting
1: me thy will.
0: It's a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio two wonderful missionaries from uh, Japan, actually in Okinawa. Their names are Peter and Valerie Limmer. They've been serving there for many years. Val and uh, Peter,
1: why don't you tell us about uh, your ministry there in Okinawa? We have been working with a local church, and uh, we've been working under a Japanese pastor. And we've been working with him for four years now. We really feel like our purpose is to connect the church with the Japanese community around them. As foreigners, we have opportunities to be able to meet people, to to make those connections that Japanese people often find hard to make, especially Christians. And it opens the door for the church to be able to disciple and also to bring in new Christians and baptize them. So. We really feel that this ministry that we have with the church is really incredible. I believe that's true. I was able to visit Peter
0: and Valerie a year or two ago and saw the great impact they have on the, the church. And I, I really appreciated the pastor being so much for their their ministry and their outreach. And they really contribute a lot to the church. I mean, Peter has a wonderful gift with a violin and music. Valerie can just about cook anything that, that they have over there. So they, they really contribute a lot to the church. But then all this outreach where they're able to make connections in the Japanese culture, which is sort of a a culture that doesn't communicate one to another. They're sort of clannish in ways. They're trying to break through cultural barriers and uh, trying to present Christ to people who never would be open to it otherwise. So we're really thankful for their ministry there. Well listen, do you, uh, would you like to share uh, about some of the folks that you minister to or have an impact in their lives?
3: Absolutely. There's one uh, fellow who comes to mind in particular. We've nicknamed him Theo. He has a Japanese name, but we try to protect his privacy. We first met him, actually, through a ministry that kind of developed by befriending cats in our community. Okinawa is a very warm climate, and there are a lot of wild cats that just kind of exist around where we live. They Uh, don't have owners. They're very clean, they don't have fleas either and, uh, and it's a lot of fun just to kind of interact with them and give them food and play with them. And this is actually viewed by the Okinawan people as volunteering in the community, which we didn't realize until uh, someone came up to us and, and thanked us for volunteering in the community, and when we asked for clarification, they said, oh, well, you're feeding the cats, that's volunteering. When We've actually met quite a number of people through the cats, because they tend to be quite shy of people. They've sometimes been mistreated, particularly by teenage boys, and so uh, they tend to be quite shy. So when people see us interacting with them and playing with them. The cats almost act as a character reference for us with the people in Okinawa, and we've met many people through our interactions with these cats. Theo was an interesting case. Uh, we were actually one evening just outside interacting with the cats, feeding them, when a man, who was quite big and hulking, <laughs> kind of came by, and he, we were a little bit Intimidated by him, I'd say at first, or I would naturally be a little intimidated by him. But he sat down with us and he said, Oh, I see you're feeding the cats. And eventually he asked us if we wanted, if we liked sushi and if we wanted to go out with him for dinner. So we said a quick prayer asking God, Should we go with this man? And uh, he said yes. So we went with him. And when we sat down for dinner, we soon heard about why he had come to see us he had actually seen us from the upper window of the place that he was living and he told us that even though he lived alone he had actually heard a voice from above telling him to come and meet with us
1: yeah those were his exact words a voice from above and so he came over and met with us and we started to meet with him on a semi-regular basis he decided that he wanted to meet the pastor and so We had tried to make a time where we could all get together with the pastor, but we were unable to find a convenient time for everyone. And one day he just decided that he would up and go and go to the church. And so he went to the church unbeknownst to us and he was speaking with the pastor and the pastor invited him out to this gospel concert and gospel music is very popular in Japan and he was very excited. And the next time we met with him, he says, oh, I met with. Pastor Iga, and said, whoa, when did you do that? And so he, he said, oh, I went the other day, and it was a, such a wonderful experience, and your pastor is such a nice guy. And he said, and look over there, and he points to a pillar in the restaurant we're sitting. He says, I've even was invited to that gospel concert, and so I put the poster up so all my friends can see. Wow. <laughs>
3: And it was just a really amazing time over and over of meeting with um, Theo and and getting to know him. And at one point I said to him, we're so happy that we met with you. We're so happy that you've become our friend. And he looked at me and he said, no, we are not friends. And I kind of (laughs) thought to myself, oh no, what have we done wrong? But then he completed his sentence and he said, you are kind people. I think we are family. Oh, good. That is good. Yeah. So we, we've we just had amazing opportunities to share the gospel with him. And he's actually um, in, invited us to meet a whole bunch of his other friends and has actually been an amazing person for connecting us with other people that we can share the good news about Jesus with as well. And so he has not become a Christian yet, but he did come out to that gospel concert. And it was really neat to see how even the message within the gospel concert, really closely mimicked a lot of the themes of our discussions, except using better Japanese than we could muster. So, Wow.
0: Well, that's a great story. Uh, the CAT ministry produced <laughs> all sorts of friendships and uh, friendship evangelism. And uh, the Lord certainly is using you in a mighty way. We appreciate you sharing those wonderful stories. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour and for your prayers and your financial support for this ministry as you're aware, this is a listener-supported ministry and we count on your gifts to help us to continue on the air each week. This month we're offering a pamphlet entitled I Am, which actually describes the seven words in the, in the book of John where Jesus actually uses the term I Am. It starts out by describing why Jesus used the term I Am goes back to the time of Moses when God revealed himself as I am. Then it actually traces the the idea where people were actually starting to use the word Jehovah to describe God and describe Jesus. And then the covenant word, which we use today, Yahweh. And so then it goes and talks to each each word, each of the seven words in John, where Jesus describes himself as, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection life. I am the way, the truth and the life. All these are described in a historical context in the Old Testament. And then it describes why Jesus used it of his own person as he proved himself to be God and to have control over nature and have the idea that people are sinners and need to come to faith. All these are described in this booklet. It's very instructive. It's exciting to read. It's encouraging. And I trust that you'll write in to get your copy of I Am. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And please continue to pray for this ministry
1: We're so glad
0: Today's message is from Reverend George Francisco and is on the topic of Father's Day. Printed copies are available upon request.
2: Special greetings on this Father's Day to every listener and especially to all the dads. May the Lord bless you, give you wisdom and courage as you endeavor to lead your family in the ways of the Lord. In honor of fathers, I'd like to quote a writer who paid tribute to his father in the words of a poem entitled, My Dad. Some boys they call their dad Papa. Oh boy, that makes me mad. It sounds so stiff and like a book. You bet I call mine Dad. And he's a good one too, you bet. The boys all wish they had a father that would laugh and play and love them like my dad. Of course, sometimes when all the bills come in, he's mighty mad. And then we sit as still as mice and hear him storm. Poor Dad. It's always over soon and then you bet we all feel glad. And then we climb up on his lap and hug and squeeze our dad. You can't have kids and money too, he says, and so he's glad the good Lord made him poor or else he mightn't have been our dad. I don't want to be president like most every little tad. When I'm grown up, I'd rather be a good man like my dad. Well, may we all, by God's grace, live good lives, that our families and those around will be drawn to our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Today our topic is, A Strong Man's Deplorable Choice. To every little boy, there is no one as big and strong as his father. In the Bible, there were many strong men, some good and some bad. Goliath was a big, strong man, but regrettably, he chose to oppose God and God's people. David, the shepherd boy, would not have been thought of as strong, yet because he knew and obeyed the Lord, God enabled him to defeat the giant. Our talk today is about a man named Abner, who lived in the time of David. Second Samuel chapter two, verse eight says, Abner, the son of Ner, captain of Saul's army, took ish the son of Saul, and made him king over all Israel. Now, we must think back for a moment and remember that God had given Saul to be king of Israel when the people desired to be like all the surrounding nations. King Saul began well, but soon went his own way instead of God's way. His disobedience cost him the kingdom god rejected saul and commanded the prophet saul uh, samuel to anoint david the shepherd boy to be king david had to flee for his life as saul attempted to kill him and there were many years that this took place after several years however saul died in fighting the philistines and then abner who was The general of the army, as we've said, and Saul's right-hand man, chose Saul's son to be king instead of David. Now, Abner was a big, strong man. He was captain. And in those days, the strongest, the bravest, the most skillful only was made the captain. Abner, of course, was all of these. Perhaps it was his loyalty to Saul and his house that made him do what he did but more likely it was his own self-interest. If Saul's son reigned, then Abner would be important and powerful. But if he turned to David, he would simply be one among many. A key verse is found in 2 Samuel 3, verse 6. And it came to pass, while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, that Abner made himself strong for the house of Saul, Now, this was a deplorable choice. The tribe of Judah crowned David king, as God had said. But the other tribes followed Abner, and because of his influence, they crowned Saul's son as king. Now, surely all Israel knew that God had rejected Saul and that David had been anointed as God's choice. So Abner and Israel's choice was in direct disobedience to God. Abner in Israel surely had heard the prophet Samuel denounce King Saul when he was disobedient. For 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 22 says, And Samuel said to Saul, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Now, surely if such consequences befell King Saul because of his disobedience... How could Abner and Israel expect to escape such dire consequences? And of course, dire consequences followed. There were many soldiers of both sides that were slain because of that unneeded war. This was a deplorable waste of human life and all the suffering that accompanied it. Then Abner and Israel's refusal to anoint David king was a serious wrong done to David. This was akin to treason. Fortunately, David did not press his rightful claims, but waited patiently for the Lord to work things out. Abner's action was also deplorable because he chose to support a futile and losing cause. His skills, efforts, and labors were spent for that which would not last. For the house of Saul was doomed to obscurity and the house of David alone would triumph as God had said. So we read in 2 Samuel 3, Now the house of David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. I wonder today how many of us are living as Abner Dib for useless and worthless causes. Some of these might be to live entirely for earthly wealth, to do that is to follow Abner's deplorable choice. For Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Mark chapter 8. It's one thing to live for yourself or to make a living for yourself and your family, which, of course, is right. As scripture tells us in First Thessalonians 3, the apostle... Paul said, for we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. So God has honored the work ethic by setting creation as well as a pattern for man. God worked for six days, then rested on the seventh. We need to follow the creation pattern. The problem arises when covetousness enters man's mind and heart when more and more things are needed and bigger and bigger things are needed and all of life's energy is directed in laying up treasures on this earth God says that's like spending your strength to build up the house of Saul it's futile Jesus told the story of a rich man who planned to tear down his barns and build bigger only to hear God say thou fool This night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. Friends, we need to walk a fine line between improving our lives, but resisting the temptation to covetousness. The way to reject covetousness is to honor God with our substance, to support God's church and his worldwide work of missions and other societies and to give to worthy causes. And thus we can lay up treasures in heaven, as Jesus said. Then too, to live for sinful pleasures is to build up a house of Saul. There will be little or nothing of lasting value, for scripture says the wages of sin is death, Romans 3, and whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap, Galatians 6. Moses is a good example of making choices that bring eternal blessings. In Hebrews 11 verse 24 we read by faith Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season now notice what it says Moses chose between having all that Egypt could have offered him riches power fame pleasure but he thought that will only be for a few years and then it's all gone but if I follow God's will, it may be suffering for a few years, then I will have all eternity to enjoy it. Moses chose to follow God, and today he enjoys life beyond anything our minds could dream of. Scripture tells us he appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, and talked of his great work for sinners that would be accomplished on the cross. I wonder how many other exciting things he has experienced over these years as a result of his choosing God's way. And the best yet, there is all eternity ahead. King David understood something of this when he wrote that in thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore, Psalm 16 To live for the sinful pleasures of this world is to doom your life to futility, disillusionment and regret. To live your life and make choices in the light of eternity is to guarantee a life of satisfaction here and a very happy eternity. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal." Now, the interesting thing about Abner is that he had a change of heart. He decided to stop his futile efforts in support of Saul's house and began to encourage the reluctant tribes to do what God wanted, that is, to make King David king over them. In 2 Samuel 3.17, we read, And Abner had communication with the elders of Israel, saying, Ye sought for David in times past, now do it. And Abner spake in the ears of Benjamin, and in the ears of David, all that seemed good to Israel. Abner was of great stature. And he was thus successful in persuading the tribes to end their rebellion and turned to David as king. Friends, that was a great step for Abner and Israel, for it was God's plan that David should reign. And out of David's line, of course, would come his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is to be king over all Israel as well as the world. Now, if Abner could change and make the right decision, then so can we. Scripture says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If you will turn to Christ today and receive him as Savior, as Lord, and as the King of your life, then you can begin a whole new chapter, just as the Scripture says. The promises... that. God made to Mary so many years before was that Christ should be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he shall reign forever friends this is the kind of thing we need to be supporting the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to be king over the world if you have not followed his will and his way then turn from following the house of saul and support the house of david follow the plan of god for your life and he will bless you
0: i trust the message that you just heard it will be a real blessing to you and that you can apply some of those truths to your life this next week here at canada's national bible hour we're really concerned about you and your spiritual well-being we're trusting that you're growing in your faith and your closeness to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're also concerned about those who may be listening to this broadcast who are not believers at this point. And the gospel is very clear. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned, each and every one of us. I'm one of them. We have all sinned. And because of that, we're not eligible to be in God's presence because he's a holy God. He's a righteous God. He's a perfect God and doesn't want to be in the presence of sin or sinners. But God does love the world. And he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, whosoever means anyone can, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And because God loves us, he provided a way for us to have our sin problem taken away. And the solution was the Lord Jesus Christ. who was God and he became man, He lived a sinless life, and then he went to the cross. And on the cross, he bore your sins and my sins in his own body as he hung on the tree. He died, and he rose again on the third day, and he's alive. You can become a believer in Christ by receiving him by faith. But as many as receive him, asking Jesus to come into your life, unto them gave he the right to become the children of God. So if you want to be a child of God, if you want to have your sins forgiven, if you want to have eternal life, you need to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. And as you sincerely pray that prayer, God will redeem you. He will change you, and you will be a new person. Don't forget to write in and get your copy of I Am, which are the seven powerful claims of Christ. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L. 2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. May the good Lord continue to bless you throughout this next week, and we look forward to having you back next week for another Precious Word.